Welcome, everybody. We'll go ahead and get started. Hey, Taryn. <laughs> Taryn's feeding the baby. <clears throat> Nothing to see here. All right, let's go ahead and pray. God, just grateful that you're present here with us today and help us to be just ever mindful of that. Um, uh, unite our hearts uh, through your word and your spirit. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, welcome back. Um, we, we left last week uh, talking about um, public prayer, specifically kind of worship assembly prayer. And we're going to kind of finish that up a little bit today and then get into the other form of public prayer or, or shared prayer uh, where we're praying in sort of smaller groups. And that's going to be a little bit towards the end. Um, but first, let's do the tradition of the week. Every year, we have my favorite holiday where we gather with family and we don't work, and we enjoy a meal, and we're just thankful for all that we have. And then the next day, we have Black Friday, where we will kill each other to go get more stuff. Because as it turns out, when we're thinking about how thankful we were, thought, yeah, but there could be a lot more. <laughs> and so, especially at these deals, I mean, look at that, that's a big TV. So, the reason I brought that up is because, you know, in America, there's no good idea that we can't replicate. Uh, think uh, Oreo double stuff, you know, I mean, if an Oreo is good, which it isn't, you know, what if we put, so have you guys seen this, the new spring Black Friday? Yeah, new spring Black Friday, I was like, what? This is a terrible idea, it lasts a couple of weeks, and by the way, just as a kind of a, it isn't every Friday a Black Friday for Sears currently, I mean, really, just uh, kind of a con- Kind of a CNBC comment there, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, stay tuned. Black, you know, Black Friday's expanding. Uh, it's just great. We can uh, all consume more. Uh, by the way, we're, we're going to buy ten bags of mulch on the way home because it's only two dollars a bag. So I'm, I mean, you know, I, we'll take a good deal when we can get it. Uh, right. Uh, so next, I want to show you this video, most of you are going to instantly recognize it. Um, It's subtitled. I mean, it's got the words underneath it. So I think that's kind of important. I think it fits in really well with this class. I think there's a lot uh, that this famous person is going to say uh, that you may think only applies to him in his particular religious context, but I think it applies really well to us. So let's let's watch that. If it works. Because of our traditions, we've kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to eat, how to work. How to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows 
who he is and what God expects him to do. Stop. Who hasn't seen that movie? It's okay if you're under the age of... Okay. All right. Okay. When you have a spare... Yeah, when you have a spare three hours and 21 minutes, it, it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly telling my kids that I'm working on my top ten movie list. I never actually write them down. I, you know, and when I see, reminded of something like this, I think, oh, it's in my top ten. So my top ten is like 45 right at this time. But um, it's an extremely deep movie, I think, and really enjoyable. And, and I, I didn't have time for it today, but... If you want to see uh, someone who practices the presence of God, which is the thing we're going to talk about, um, Tevye, the dairyman who we were introduced there, if you don't know him, uh, really does that a lot in that movie. Uh, really inspiring. But anyway, I think, those, I think everything he said about their traditions maps directly to us. I really do. How we sleep, how we eat, how we work, who we are, and what our relationship with his God is tied to tradition. And then... I forgot that the reason the movie is named Fiddler on the Roof is because he finishes uh, that song, Tradition, which is the opening uh, of the movie. Without our traditions, our lives would be as shaky as a fiddler on the roof. And he points, and there's a fiddler standing on a really steep roof and fiddling. So that uh, provides stability. Balance is the word he keeps using. So just a nice um, affirmation of what we're talking about from Broadway slash Hollywood. So you remember that we put this. I put this up last night. Um, that I I, I, sh- I simply define. You know this this style of prayer we're talking about is where we're we're orating out loud with others. Where it's me and you, or it's me and another, or it's a small group, or it's in worship. But we're we're saying someone's saying a prayer and someone's listening to a prayer. And we've kind of got these levels which I'll talk about. And I put this up last week and just kind of asked you think we, we talked through some of these and you guys had some good ideas when we talk about worship or our more formal assemblies and prayer what our traditions and this list that I'm going to fill out in a minute is just just mine um, uh, it's just the things that I think and, and we mentioned some of them last week uh, but I think from time to time you notice that not every not, nothing I say is, is, is done 100% of the time it's just patterns more than anything but our language sometimes changes to more formal or even old language uh, when we're praying in front of others a little bit. Um, we kind of may start using uh, what I would say churchy words as opposed to, to the language of conversation that we would use if we were talking to somebody else a little bit. I see some of that. Any, any thoughts or questions are fine. Uh, it seems like when we're picking people to pray, there's a bias towards the eloquent I almost, I almost wanted to say, but this this is not quite fair. But almost towards the college educated, which is not. I don't think that's quite accurate. But um, and and by the way, we we've changed our services a little bit, which is neither right nor wrong. But there are kind of fewer opportunities uh, for a, a lay person to pray, which is neither good nor bad. But you know, we we have a shepherd's prayer, and we have. Uh, the Lord's Supper prayer, and we have Jeff's didn't see that coming prayer, which I love. I, I, I mean, just he just goes right from talking into praying. Um, 
that's that's about it, which is fine. Again, this is not a that's neither right or wrong, but there are there aren't quite the same opportunities as when I was growing up. You might just have sort of just some spot prayers. That's all they were is for that prayer and worship. So there's fewer opportunities, but it does seem to me, and I could be wrong, and it could be cynical that we we're looking for those people that are good with words, maybe, or have a good voice, or things like that. Could, could probably overthought a little bit. So uh, sometimes. Uh, we give people a lot of warning, you know, so they can really think about their prayer. If we if we do that, you know, if you're the Lord's Supper speaker, you're going to notice a couple weeks ahead of time, which is fine. You need to prepare your thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll write things down, uh, which is also fine. It's just one of the things that I've observed. Um, uh, the, the length, I almost put that there's an expectation of a minimal length. If you pray, if you got up and prayed a, a 18 second prayer, it might sort of like trigger in people's minds that that was unique or odd. And so there might be an expectation if you're going to pray in front of a large assembly that it ought to cover a lot of things and uh, not miss anything and, and, and might be of a certain length. We've, we've uh, conducted lab, lab experiments here about that. Uh, if you missed those, I'm sorry. Uh, watch for it in a scientific journal coming soon. Um, Sometimes it feels like we don't distinguish between a personal style of prayer and a public style of prayer. And again, these are these are not things you can hang on scripture. Uh, but we sort of talked about. Uh, we had a slide last week about, you know, what are the roles? What are we supposed to be doing as listeners to a prayer? What is the person who's leading a prayer supposed to be doing? And I sort of we were a little bit rushed last week, but I sort of said that I think the person who's leading a prayer has an obligation to be mindful of the listener uh, and to know that um, could have a squirmy baby, you, you know, that, that our attention spans are not what they used to be um, and that the things that might be near and dear to their heart might not be near and dear to everyone's. We kind of we discovered that the more a topic of prayer connects with you, the more your brain is going to be engaged in it. So in a bigger group, I think looking for what we have in common uh, and what we can all share in versus, you know, if I got up and prayed for my work struggles and I got up and prayed for my financial struggles, and I got, you know, those things, which it's, it's, it's tongue in cheek. But I think making sure that we're thinking about the wider audience and we're, we're praying together. I'm leading a prayer that you can participate in because it's something that we have in common, someone we care about, uh, a theme, those kinds of things. Um, and, and then finally, we, we really we really kind of, touched on this last week and, and got into it some, and I want to get to it a little bit more, but um, I think we make assumptions about God's presence. It feels to me like that. And again, these are not that anyone is thinking these things in the front of their mind. It's just that if you watch the practices sometimes of what we do, you start to wonder if we make a distinction between God being present when we say, dear God, and invite him into a conversation or a prayer versus the presence that he's sort of said is is always true, and and I'll talk about that in just a minute. We're going to actually practice some of that. So that was kind of my list, and um, yeah, you know, I, I think you guys had some thoughts last week. Any thoughts on the list or rebuttals or yeah? Right. Those leading the session were supposed to be, or kind of acknowledged to be the authority on 
Right. Yeah, that's a great point. So for several centuries, especially in, I would say, Europe or, or, or maybe Trans Judaism, I don't know, but the religious people were also the learned people and maybe the only people that could read. And so that a lot of religious duty fell to them. And, and we developed this idea of a, of a separate priesthood or redeveloped the idea of a separate priesthood, which is counter to what Jesus has told us about that we're all priests and things like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. That maybe that maybe there's some carryover there that we were comforted by by the eloquence. Not not the worst thing ever. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Yes. I only remember when I was a teenager, probably in the early sixties, I heard a man read a prayer for the first time using you talking to God instead of the King James D. And it was like totally foreign to me. And it took a, so I think a lot of times our language is sometimes biblical. And when people are coming in worshiping with us that aren't used to it, it sounds strange. Yeah. Let me tell you the counter to that, which is um, I had a good friend that I developed when we lived in Europe, a uh, younger man. And, and once we moved back to the States, he was coming to the States and wanted to visit us. Now, he, he grew up in Belgium, which is a historically Catholic country. And in every town, there's a, a what we would call a cathedral. They're not. They're just old, magnificent stone churches, stained glass windows, uh, you know, fine woods, um, tapestry, uh, just high, as high as high church can go. And he came uh, and was here for a Wednesday and came down to a Wednesday night teen class we were playing like duck, duck, goose or something. It was some like warm-up game. And then we had a devotional. And then he walked through our auditorium. And he was surprised how plain it was in an extremely complimentary way. Because high church had completely turned him off for, for, for whatever reason. And the fact that it was just a, a gathering place with four walls and chairs. So, so this... This informality can actually, although it can be unexpected from people who aren't, it can also be welcome, I think, in certain contexts. Yeah. Sue. If I'm remembering correctly, in the New American Standard Translation, when they address something to God, they always say thee or thou. Mm. Use those words just like Apodon does. Yeah. <laughs> or did in this life. I, I don't. I think they were doing it out of respect. Yes, it is respect. Yeah, that's. I mean, the the motive I think behind the formal language is respect. Um, I the question is, you know, does is the relationship with us and God? It certainly needs reverence, and we need to know who we are versus who God is. But does God expect, you know, formal language or or language we don't use in our culture? I'm, I'm a big fan and using the language of our culture. Um, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does understand. I'm sure he understands it all. Uh, it's it becomes, though, a thing we pass down to generations, which may after a while may not resonate as well as it did before. And that that's actually why we're having the class. Yeah, Christy. Hmm. 
every day, you know, the colleagues are formally you meet strangers, you take steps. <clears throat> but in the church, as soon as you meet someone, you use the informal you. And all the, the language of the Bible is an informal you. Interesting. Yeah, Flemish also has, you know, when we learned that, we, we learned about the two. You know, the informal and the formal. And you, and you definitely, and Germany's more strict, but you definitely use those differently with strangers than you do with friends. Was there another comment? Oh, I was going to kind of say uh, something similar where it's, it's always said we're supposed to have a more close relationship to God. And in English here, where it's, it's not rude to say you, it's kind of a, but the way we think of it now, it's thou, there's kind of a, a Right. It's not dude. Yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not quite dude. Yeah, I appreciate those I appreciate those comments. Let's 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 kind of focus in on this idea of God's presence because I, as I've been just thinking about this class and, and me personally, this is a topic I keep coming back to. Is what do I believe about God's presence right now? And right now might be while I'm driving to work, while I'm at work, while I'm taking a shower, you know, anything. And it's really made me, it's really made me sort of question what I believe. And, um, uh, and I want to kind of, so drill into that. There's, there's two, some would argue three. I, I look at God's presence as two different varieties. Um, there's, there's God's universal presence. I, I say it this way. No human being in the history of earth or till the end of the earth will ever live outside of the presence of God. Um, I personally think hell is something over here. I think it's this place where God isn't at all. And nobody has ever experienced that. Just a quack little theory I have. So you, you cannot live, no one can, with, without being in the presence of God. That means right now. That means when you're home. That means when, when we're at home thinking no one's around and we want to do something we shouldn't do. All those times, God's presence is there. Um, I look at, um, I personally... Just maybe because it helps me, not because I can prove it theologically, think that the Holy Spirit living in me is just God trying to say there's a different kind of presence where I'm extra close. I'm, I'm in you. It's still just God's presence. Uh, the Holy Spirit is just a way, I think, of God to say there's this way that I'm present with you that's different than the universal presence. And I call that my Holy Spirit. Now, that's just my... But it is, it is a distinct way that God is with us, in my opinion. So the third way, which I, I didn't put up here, is that the where two or more are gathered verse, which is in Matthew, I forget the chapter. I'm not so sure about that one yet because it's really talking about some kind of church discipline. So I don't know when we're together like this if our, the spirit in our hearts is magnified or multiplied. It certainly feels that way to me sometimes. But let's just stick with the two for now. So the, the two or more gather in his name, which is a great wedding song. It's about like throwing people out of the church, I think. Uh, you can look at that later. But anyway, so, so th- this idea of his presence that, and either way, so that means that God is with all people, is surrounding or near all people at all times. And for those who have called on his name, he is near in a special way, in a way that we can really feel. 
and we can know in a different way than general presence. Anyone want to start a theological thing on that? It's, uh, I don't have a proof text on that one. I kind of do. All right, so we're going to practice this in a minute, but let's go to Psalm 139, which I think expresses this really, really well. It's, let me read it to you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Um, and go, this is the passage that says, you, before, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Just this idea of, I mean, God, God even being present when the cells were dividing that made you in your mother's womb. Just this, I mean, just this intense idea. And I've, had to, I've just had to reread re- it several times this week. And just such a beautiful thought and said so well. Um, but, you know, that's, I think that's a great verse about God's presence. Uh, I one time said that, you know, when, when, we, when, we, when we sneak away to sin because no one's looking and we're believers, it's about the most theologically shallow thing you can think. It's kind of what Adam and Eve thought. Hey, you know, God's not looking. Um, and, you know, so his presence, I think, has some really powerful things. Any thoughts on this passage? Or Okay, I've got another one. So, Acts 17, this is, uh, this is in Athens. Uh, is that Paul? That's Paul, right? Yeah. Uh, God did this, and he's talking to the Athenians about the unknown God. And he's kind of delivering a really clever sermon in very culturally uh, relevant to them sermon, if you will, or a testimony. And he says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. That's kind of the universal presence. For in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. In Him we live and move and have our being. That's about everything. Uh, you know what Bible verses is quoting? It isn't. It's quoting a Cretan philosopher. He's even pulling from their own philosophers and turning that into a truth about God. So what if, what if we did live like, you know, that, that in Him we live and move and have our being at all times? If we're just really more front of mind. I'm asking this to myself. The front of mind, I was just always thinking that God is present with me, that He is near me, that He is living in me, that He's accessible, that His right hand, His powerful right hand, is waiting to help. So, the question I have is would that change the way I prayed? If I was more mindful of that, would that change the way I prayed? Would it change how often I prayed? Would it change the words that I used in prayer? Would it change the things I would pray for? And 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 I think I think it would. I don't know what you think. 
What do you think? You guys always think about God being present all the time, and it's just me again. Hi. It's embarrassing. Jason? Right. Right. Yeah, you're already right talking to a friend. Uh, the opening and closing don't need to be. Maybe the opening and closing happen in the morning and at night, and everything that happens in between is just tacking on, because you're just thinking, you know. Because God's never left you. You're not inviting Him back into your life on the telephone. You know, it's not a telephone call. It's a, a, a walking next to kind of a relationship. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Katie? So I'm reading the uh, Mitford series books. The which ones? It's called the Mitford series. The Mitford series. Okay. It's adorable. Okay. Because he will, he'll be serving the people in his church, and hard stuff happens all the time. And he's going on his walks, and you know something comes up. He's like, "Father, I'm just going to need you to help me out with this one. You know my weaknesses. You know what's going on." And proceeds. So his prayers are constant, like the way that I want mine to be. Just this never ceasing dialogue. But sometimes you're not talking, and then sometimes you stop and say, "Okay, I'm about to enter a hard conversation. Just." Right. Right. Yeah, the Mitford series, recommended as a prayer <laughs> trainer. Yes, Jeff. It kind of hit me when we were going through Second Corinthians how often uh, Paul brings up the idea of uh, we speak as before God and constant. He says that a lot through his letters as as before God and continually. And, and I think of prayer a lot of times now is, um, with several of the people in this room, I've been on a long road trip with them. Uh, Jason and I went on a horrible one last year. And, uh, it, was, it was rough. And um, we, we went down, and, and you're, you're, you're quiet. You don't talk the whole time. You go into conversation, but you don't sit there on the road trip and say, you know, you're talking about something, amen, man. And, and then, like, I dismissed you. Right. You're still there. You're still a part of this. And, um you know, I think this class, this is one, I think, in my mind, this is, might be the most important topic uh, that we could address. No, it really is. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because the presence of God is the gospel. That's, that is the gospel. Mm. Um, and so understanding this is the gospel. I mean, right. God is here. And when I say amen, I don't dismiss him. And I don't invoke his presence in assembly. I'm, I'm before him. Mm-hmm. I think getting this and really focusing on this um, changes not just prayer, it changes 
our attitude towards sin. Mm. You know, right. Everything. Yeah. Let's. Um. I'm gonna try something. You guys are just my little lab rats, is what I was gonna say. That sounds pretty terrible. Um, no way to. Um, at work, we call them crash test dummies when we want someone to try something. We're not sure it's gonna work. Um. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Th- this is. This is real. I'm going to lead us in thought and prayer. This is not like the experiment that I said, you know, I had to acknowledge, tell everyone I'm not being apostate. I'm, this is not a prayer. It's a simulation. But this is real. And, and all you have to do in, in this particular uh, experience is just listen. Um, our faith fellowship is not the most vocal, so you don't have to vocalize anything. If you want to, you can. I'm going to do it and pray it, and then I'm going to tell you where I first started thinking about this. So, if God is present with us today, which He is, without a doubt, and if it was just two of us, He would be present with us, and if it was just me, He would be present with us, but God is here, uh, participating with us right now. And so, I'm going to read from our concern sheet this morning about a few things, not, not all of them, I'm going to pick a few. And because God is present, I'm going to just acknowledge that He's hearing our thoughts. He's hearing our concerns. And then I'm going to close that with an actual lead prayer, okay? So that's what I'm doing. I've tried this a couple times before, and uh, you won't be the first ones to say it was weird. So um, we're just mindful about Lucy Stain. She's in a medical center in Fort Morgan, and she's not doing well. She's going to be there in April. Philip is moving into senior living. This is a big change in their life. They are going from independent uh, uh, and living together to having to be separated and experience that suffering and this change in life where they have to give up their home. And so they certainly, we certainly bring their names uh, before God in concern. Uh, we're grateful that Wade... Uh, Sabila's surgery went well. He's going to be staying in the hospital for a little bit longer, and we just ask that uh, he continue to heal from that, that he have no ill effects. Um, and some of you may have seen the email from Megan Taylor. Uh, she was. We were so also deeply concerned about uh, uh, Andrew and his health issues, and and uh, we cried out to God in prayer, and he is really doing well. He's just got a little bit of healing in his hand, uh, but just joyful and grateful that he has recovered so, so very well. Uh, we're always mindful of, of Steve, uh, our brother who is, um, has Parkinson's, and uh, we just pray that uh, he will always be uh, close to God through whatever that disease leads him to. Uh, let's close our thoughts uh, for now. Father, you have heard our hearts, we know it. You are here with us. And uh, we're grateful that you are um, both sharing in our joy and hearing our concerns, Father. For all the people we've mentioned, Father, we just pray your blessing in the way that they need and is best. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So, I think that's one way that we can acknowledge God's presence is that it's not, I'm, a ta- I'm talking to you. Now I'm repeating everything I said to you 
to God as if he wasn't present. What are, how, how was that for you, by the way? How would it be all the time for you? Because I remember one time, the first time I tried in a live group, I said, this might be a little weird. And when we were done, a person, good friend of mine, said, you're right, that was weird. Um, <laughs> but a, what? Is that our tradition, though? Not really. Seth? I felt like, should I be bowing and closing my eyes while you're talking? Is it okay to look around the room and see other people's reactions? What, you know, that was the awkward part for me, the traditional part. I didn't know what to do. Right. Like, I hope he doesn't point me out in front of me. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think I did it especially well, by the way. I was struggling with like keeping my language uh, from announcement to sort of quasi prayer. It was, did you notice? It was kind of hard. I had to like, oh, so I'm not, you know, if, you know, I'm not establishing a new tradition, but if we, if we eventually evolve into acknowledging God's presence, then there's some sort of directional slow changes. We're going to have to practice it, I think, a little bit, both on what to do and what to say. Heather? And that you acknowledge more of like the human experience of mm. it, like what people were feeling and thinking about. And I think when we pray like the announcement style, we sometimes lose a little bit of that. And so I liked that part of it and felt like, you know, like God cares about that relational stuff. So like that makes more sense to me intuitively. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Christy? Me too. Right. <laughs> Were you a zero? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm great with it. I think it was fabulous, and it's nice to be able to make eye contact with people um, when you're thinking about them and talking about them. Right. That's really, I think, it brings you closer together when you look at someone mm-hmm. in the eye when you're talking to them. Yeah, I think the same thing we just did in kind of this bigger corporate setting can also really apply to when you're just one-on-one with someone. The God's presence thing, you might spend 30 minutes over coffee talking about some really deep concerns. And if, if you're just acknowledging God is present, you, your language might change slightly. And how you round out that with your sort of what we call traditional prayer style thing would change, I think, maybe. You don't have to repeat. I think it applies to a lot of different settings. It almost seemed inconsistent or awkward when you closed your eyes at the end. Yeah, that's a good point. Did you feel that? You know, I'm curious you felt that because you were already talking to God in that. Yeah. And then why, you know, Jesus, I think you know, the times that we're saying about Jesus training seems to... Yeah, he's looking upward a lot. He fell on his face one time and he's, yeah, some, but in those intense moments. But yeah, you're, you're right. So that... That's just me not being able to know quite how to swim through this traditional power, the magnetic force, because I, I, I could have certainly done that. Now, let me tell you the source of that story. By the way, we, the, the way we pray collectively in our assembly, there are multiple ways across different uh, f- churches. 
And so uh, one time when I worked in Loveland, I was eating at Culver's by myself because I love to have lunch by myself. It's just my time. Um, and, and I was just sitting there eating my probably spicy chicken strips and fries, not great stuff. But, um, and there were these three ladies in the table near me. And they said, excuse me, um, we're at a workshop up here at this church. I think it might have been Resurrection Fellowship. And we are wondering if there's anything that's on your mind that we could pray for you about. And uh, I thought, mental note, first thing I do when I tell Gomez, tell Kathy, is like, there were these three ladies at lunch, and I was just sitting there minding my own business. And, um, <laughs> and so... I, you know, I, I said, sure, you know, and I talked maybe about some, some work things or uh, some, some, some things. It wasn't super personal. It was the things that felt like I could share. And the whole time I was talking to them, they were nodding and saying, yes, Lord, we agree. Yes, Lord. Help, help him. Yes, Lord. And I was like. <laughs> and, and they never, I mean, they, and, and we kind of went on for that. It's just, it was pretty short. And, and they thanked me because they were, I think they were at like a workshop and they were kind of like tasked with homework or something. And I was someone's project. And, um, but they, they just acknowledged that God was listening to everything we were saying. And they just sort of, it wasn't amen. It was, oh, Lord, we agree. Yes, Lord. Help him with that. Just sort of not interruptive. And I thought, there's maybe another way, you know, that I hadn't thought of before. And it was, I don't think they ever that did the close their eyes and, and pray thing. And we've had some other examples like that that we've experienced throughout our time, but it just made me stop and think. And so presence, I think, really alters both our personal prayer life and our corporate prayer life. So thank you for doing that with me. Um, let's, let's drop down out of the sort of the, the more assembly or the higher, the larger group into sort of this smaller group thing, just... You, in your family, you and your wife, or you and your husband, or you and a friend over coffee, or that kind of thing. Um, and I've got this arrow up here because it's not really a scriptural thing, but I, I do think that, you know, when you're praying in front of, you know, they, they, your prayers can get more personal around someone you love and trust. And that, you you know, that, you know I wouldn't pray the same things in front of a congregation that's got people I don't know them very well or visitors. But I might with my wife or I might with a close friend. Um, just, just there's things that change as you move from this, which is why I've kind of separated them a little bit. And, and this, um, this um, slide, I think, sort of conveys how prayer fits into all these... Um, I think it fits into all these things. I'm going to talk about them all briefly. I'd like you to just look through this list and pick out one where you think praying with someone else in you know, just a one-on-one or a small group or you know, three or four friends you know, fits in with these ways that we are to be with one another. Um, you know, carrying each other's burdens. Uh, certainly, I think prayer, praying with each other can be a part of that. Sure, we're listening and we're being sympathetic, and then we're we're praying together. We're we're carrying that burden in in prayer together, not just then but later. We'll talk about that. Um, rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. So when people are are happy, we're praying. And when people are thankful, we're praying. 
When people are down or sad or hurting or physically hurting or emotionally hurting, we're praying. Um, and I've got, you guys have known me probably for a long time. Um, our job is not to convert the mourners to rejoicers. This is not our job. Our job is to mourn with people who are mourning and rejoice with people who are rejoicing. Period. Sometimes we try to give people that good word of advice or it'll all go away tomorrow and you don't know that. <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, that's a, just a little bit of a side. But prayer certainly fits with that. Um, encouraging one another and building each other up. I think prayer is a very vital component of that with each other. That we can encourage each other through prayer. That when we, you know, when people need being strengthened, when they're when they're weak, when they're not sure, um, that we we get together with them in relationship, and we join together with them in prayer in relationship, and we use that for encouragement. Same thing here. Um, this one adds, you know, do it all the time so that none of you get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's sort of this back to frequency. Stay in touch with each with each other so that. You know that this doesn't calcify; that people aren't left um, struggling or doubting or stuck in sin, or you know, not but in, but encourage each other. And I think prayer fits into that. Um, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Um, you know, this is an area where I think that traditionally, and it's not so true anymore, thank goodness, in my opinion. But you know, the confess your sins to one another was the first row of the church function. And, you know, frankly, I think we've cut off the idea of sin confession because I will say it to my wife or my best friend, but I will not say it to all of you. I just won't. Nor do I know that I'm called to. If I confess it to someone, one other person, I have done this. I've done this. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, sometimes we have to. Sometimes it's necessary. Um, but, you know, this gives us, I think when we're together, it kind of goes back to the forgiveness theme in prayer that we also need to, you know, keep this in front of us, that we're to be doing this and then praying about it. Um, and then unity. I think it's hard to be disunified with someone that you're praying with and that you're concerned with and that you're sharing burdens with and you're encouraging each other with. I think it helps mow down our differences when we can, A, open up enough to share and to to tell things we want to pray about together and then do it. And so I just think in all these things that prayer really is the thread that probably relationship certainly runs through them. And then converting that relationship into prayer together makes us stronger to each other. It strengthens us all spiritually. It keeps us strong in unity. Um, any Anything jump out at that or, or something that's not on there, Seth? Um. Late this week, I was kind of like at the end of the week, kind of funk, you know. Yeah. And I got kind of a surprise and heard me, you know, through a text message, and it started this <coughs> string of conversation. And it was really out of the blue. I mean, it was I had no history of text messages with this person, so that was that was really encouraging. And it and then next thing you know, I'm calling Heather <laughs> and telling her all about it. Right. And we had you know it brought discussion to us out of that situation you know and it was it went on for a couple hours really yeah. but that was you know encouragement can be really an amazing thing especially when you don't mess you know when you don't see it coming right mm -hmm. yeah appreciate that i'm interested i appreciate that i want to i want to explain this 
So let me tell you a thing I've seen traditionally. Uh, first of all, we need to, when we're together, we need to make opportunities to pray together. We, we need to make the most of our opportunities when we're to also find ways to pray each other. Let me tell you an experience I've had, and maybe you have too. I bet you have. I'm talking with someone after worship when all that relational goodness happens. You know, we, we can't be relational during worship. We're, really, we're united in worship, which is great. We're united in our praise to God. But we're not really talking to each other so much, except for through song and so on. But when we get to each other and we huddle up after worship, how many times has this happened to you? You're talking to someone, just you and them, and they're telling you something that's a need or a burden in their life, or a worry, or an illness, or anything. And standing right in front of that person, I say, in essence... You know what? I'm going to pray about this later. When I am not with you, when I am far from you, and I hope I remember, I'm going to pray for you. Why? Why not right then? I think there's some reason. You know, we've been told we have to go into our closet and pray. We need to be mindful that we don't want to be showy. It's not our tradition. A couple weeks ago, uh, three or four women, women huddled up to pray, and I was talking with a person, and I think it was mostly tongue-in-cheek, and they're like, what is happening over here? I think it was tongue-in-cheek. In fact, I know it was tongue-in-cheek. But, but it was odd enough that the joke was kind of funny. You know, it's like, what's happening? There's people praying post-assembly. So I have tried to do this a time or two, and it's hard. It's hard to break the tradition of saying, not now, but later. Thus, I think we should pray now and later. <laughs> clubbing you over the head with it. Um, so let me, let me give you some advice. I'd like you to try this. If you're talking with someone and it's a spiritual or it's a need, so here's how, here's how it works for me because it's really awkward. You just say this. You say, I'm just going to pray about this and start praying immediately. Don't wait. Don't ask. Just say, I'm just going to pray about this and start praying. Allah, Jeff, just flow into praying. And I, I've, I've tried it a few times. No one's ever turned me down. Um, and yeah, so, but, but it, was, it was hard. There's this inertia of tradition that's keeping me from doing that. I am also sometimes not faithful in following through with my commitment to pray later. So at a minimum, I've done that. So that's one thing I've noticed. And if we do that, we should always, you know, also. I was reluctant to put a licorice flavored candy up here. Yeah. Our prayer, you know, we should do it. We should do this good and plenty. I don't know. That's just, just my greatest fear is this is the only slide you're all going to remember from this whole class. So. Um, Next week, we'll talk about the, what we put on our list, what we pray for, and a little bit about superstition. So thank you for your time today. I appreciate it.